We acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the Turrbal and Yagara people, and their elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded and flood media is recorded on stolen land. Like, uh, I had someone tell me the other day that they, uh, someone on the booth uh, was like, oh yeah, I love the link roundups. And you were like, what? Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so I haven't just been like firing these into, he's like, yeah, I get them on Facebook. It's like, what? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Is this, is it, are you a simulation? Yeah. <laughs> kind of like pleasure bot yeah. created for me. Mm. Well, shout I've out to like that. One. <laughs> I know. Look, I, I don't read them. I don't read them. I do them. <laughs> no one does. <laughs> like, no, except this, for this guy. Well, this, thanks, this guy. Yeah. This one They're just person. sort of like a stand-in, right? Like we mm. would be producing an <laughs> article now, but this yeah, is the sort of content we the... could be producing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we were better at this, <laughs> if we had a huge Patreon. This is like stuff. Yeah. Well, welcome to a very special post-Queensland election floodcast. I feel like we haven't done a show in like several months and one of the reasons is that we've all been busy out in the real world campaigning, but that all came to a rather delicious end on Saturday uh, <laughs> when we picked up our, our seat of South Brisbane that many of us have been working very hard to win for the past um, four years, basically. So congratulations to us and uh, to all our listeners who are involved. Thank you very much um, and enjoy the win. But I think we're here to sort of unpack um, not only South Brisbane, but also the broader result in Queensland and, and talk through um, some of the dynamics at play in, in the election this time around. So joining me, Joe, here to discuss it is Declan. Hey. Liam. Hello. And Matt. Hello. All right. Good That's to see so much have enthusiasm. You. Yeah. <laughs> My brain's still incredibly fried um, from the past few weeks. So I'm still absolutely recovering from the hangover from Saturday same. night. Yeah, same. <laughs> but um, it is Tuesday. On the other hand, you know, I feel like most of us have been thinking about little else. Um, so it's good to have a, a an outlet for it. Um, so shall we begin? By talking through, like, I guess the broader statewide result and then drill down a little bit into specific seats, um, mostly South Brisbane. Um, yeah, Liam, you're the only person who's got notes, so I'm going to hand it over to you. Yeah, I sort of, like, scribbled down a bunch of things before coming over here um, because they've been swirling around my brain for the last few days. And I guess probably I'd love to start to just talk a little bit about the fact that, you know, our analysis on flood and in our movement here in South Brisbane and Queensland um, with the Greens has been that, you know, the major parties vote um, in Queensland and Australia more broadly and, you know, like this is a global trend as well, is in decline, right? Like it's in a structural um, sort of uh, secular decline um, and there's reasons underpinning that. Um, and, we, you know, there's a particular analysis about anti-politics and people's relationship or lack thereof to to politics and that's fueling a, a decline in the major party vote but this is a an election that bucked that trend um and so you know the greens intervention was based on a particular analysis that um like didn't didn't necessarily bear out uh, at the ballot box or at least not on the surface level and so i think it'd be interesting to chat a little bit about that because um, I think what the Labor vote went up statewide a couple of points and the Lib vote even went up um, a little bit uh, at the expense of minor parties. I mean, mostly One Nation, really, which got an absolute mm. savaging and got torn a new one or several new ones, which is lovely to see. But, like, nonetheless, it seems to to buck that sort of, um, that sort of trend. And I guess, for me, um, that made it 
sort of a difficult campaign to be sort of involved in and you know the greens vote went back what point three or four percent statewide yeah, yeah something like that which is quite good in the context like it it held more or less um but that's sort of like not what we were expecting because we were on the track of an anti-political election um where people were rejecting the major parties and i suppose i mean i'd be interested to hear what everybody thinks maybe that's just maybe it's just really fucking obvious and we can move on um but you know why is it that there was a correction to to the major parties the, this Courier Mail article says the ALP got a swing of 5.2%. Jesus. Which is even bigger than I thought. And the One Nation vote collapsed 9.6% across <laughs> the state. Yeah. Yeah. So I went um, – last night I did an interview um, with Friends of Flood um, Wrong Island, which are a Melbourne-based podcast. Um, recommend everyone checking them out. So I gave a lot of my takes on that interview. Um, but – yeah. But they're so good, we'll hear them again. Yeah, exactly. Um, worth saying twice. Yeah, I reckon, like, obviously the pandemic just shifted the terrain of um, this election so much. And I think possibly it's what you can draw a parallel between this and the US election, where, you know, before COVID, I said and stand by the opinion that no one except Bernie could beat Trump, but COVID shifted everything so much um, to the point where, like, any sort of anti Trump candidate could win it. Um, and in Queensland, I think my experience like talking to people at the door was that they definitely still had a bit of that anti-poll sentiment, but I think it manifested less in like visceral hatred towards politicians mm. and more in just sort of like, well, I've got more important things to think about. I'm not, in, you know, I'm not thinking about politics right now because... Flight path. Yeah, we're in a new studio. Uh <laughs> my new house and um, it's, we're under a flight path. Anyway, um, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not thinking about politics um, at the moment uh, and I think that translates in a, in a country where we didn't have compulsory voting that would just translate to a very low turnout and I think here it just translated to like I'll just go with the ones who are in at the moment because, you know, they're doing to, – to be fair, you know, Queensland has w- relatively compared to the rest of the world we're in an incredibly good position with COVID – um, and I think people were just like, all right, yeah, why not? You know, that's my take anyway. <laughs> yeah. I definitely don't think any of the the Liberal Party criticisms of Labor had any cut through at Absolutely all. Absolutely not. Like, yeah. No, and they ran a dog shit campaign. They ran a dog shit campaign. Um, a factor. Yeah. And I think that sort of criticism landing from the right probably drives a bit of the, the, the right minor party vote as well. And the right anti-political stuff is like genuinely feeling like like Labor has failed to to hold to hold a con- like a political consensus together. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that um, feeling on the ground uh, is something I'd love to talk about because, like, it, it was in such stark contrast between the campaign that we sort of all were part of for for the federal election for Griffith in, in 2019 where, you know, and, and we'll let you in on a little secret about how we do our door knocking where we start with a question, something like, hey, do you have any issues or things on your mind, you know, any concerns, things on your local area or bigger picture things? And people relatively often say no because you've just bailed them up at the door and they don't, they don't have, you know, particular political, in- like, you know, things on their mind that they're able to call to mind quickly but then we usually follow up with a question something like well how do you feel about politics in general and during the federal election in 2019 
nine out of ten people were like, yeah, it's fucking shit. I hate it. I hate politics. Politics sucks. And you're, you'd be like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it sucks. Let, you know, why don't we fuck it up a bit? And then um, Christi- Christian, one of our good comrades and organisers, um, was bailing people up at the pre-poll booth in Griffith by being like, hey, I'm Christian and I'm here because I think politics is fucked. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that <laughs> and really it worked. worked. so well. It really worked. And, but this time when you'd go to the door and you'd not or, or make phone calls and you'd lead with that question, usually people didn't have an issue. It was similar. You follow up with the, oh, how do you feel about politics in general? It didn't have the same feeling. No. It didn't have that kind of visceral like, fuck this, you know, oh, they're, they're corrupt. Oh, sometimes you get the kind of like, oh, well, you know, I guess they're doing an okay job with yeah. the old COVIDs. And so it doesn't, yeah, I mean, that that was a shift. That was a that was some kind of momentary shift. I think it was people's first experience of, of the state, like not doing a bad job of whatever the thing was in a really long time. We're like, oh, no, that's fine. Like they, they did what I understand it is meant to do and that kind of like like inured a little bit of confidence in that like social democratic common sense which i do think is kind of there and well i would go one step further and i would just say that like this was one of the few moments in the last fucking god knows how long where this the government did a thing that felt meaningfully related to your life and i suppose if that's Mm. like the analysis that we have like anti-politics is like because society is so fragmented because everyone's so alienated because everyone is disconnected from politics because there's no blah 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 civil society organizations attach us and so on like the decisions that get made at a political level don't impact your life but there's this one time on a very serious way you can tangibly go oh well look if they made the different decision, then I'd still be in lockdown or, you know, in the extreme variant, my nana would be dead. So, like, I think there was that just tangible connection to politics that meant that it wasn't an anti-political election. And I don't think that means that anything structurally changed, right? Like, that's a mo- it's a conjunctural thing in, like, in six or 12 or 18 months' time, that moment's totally passed and we'll be in the midst of an economic crisis with all those anti-political structural conditions. But this election was at the sweet spot where, you know, there was a momentary, I think, correction which made our approach much harder. Like, I think we just have to accept it was just a much harder um, thing to, to... Like, we had to insert a different narrative um, as to what this election was about. Yeah, and I think the fact that we still won at South Brisbane... Because we did I win. would like to congratulate we did absolutely win. We, we absolutely won. win the election. Yes. <laughs> We're listening to four fucking winners right here. <laughs> Um, and also that Michael Berkman was returned in Maywire with like with a, a nuts swing. Stonko a, swing. A swing of yeah. something like 14% to him on the primary yeah. vote is um, a testament to the Greens' like very strong ground game, I would say, and all the work we'd put in it over the last um, you know, three to four years, actually. Um, so And it's huge swing in Cooper. Yeah, and like a, Cooper, yeah. And a comfortable, like, not, not a huge swing, but, like, still an impressive swing given the conditions in the Cedar Green Slopes. Mm-hmm. I think it was only 2.5% or so on the primary vote, but that included the fact that at the last election there were only three parties running in that seat, Labor, Liberals and the Greens, mm-hmm. and this time there were, like, three or four independent, well, minor parties and independents. So on the three-party preferred, I'm pretty sure Victor would have, our candidate for the Greens would have gone up three and a half four points which massively bucks the trend so we're doing (laughs) it seems like you know when you actually 
campaign, yeah, yeah, you can actually buck structural trends to some extent. Yeah. Um, I, I was just going to say one of the other uh, slightly odd things about this election is the preponderance of all these new minor parties. Um, and that's another, I think, small factor in why the Greens' primary vote across the state went backward a little bit. So in the electorate where I live, uh, Burley, I looked at that on election night and saw the Greens' primary vote there had gone backward by 7%, had gone backward by 7%. And I thought, what? What? Why? Like, if mm. anything, that should be going up. Mm. And then I saw, oh, it's because uh, the Animal Justice Party got 3.5% mm. and the Legalized Cannabis Party yeah. <laughs> got 3.5%. Yeah. And yeah. they were actively campaigning. I saw them both out and about. Like, Yeah, the, the um, you know, don't want to necessarily accuse those parties of intentionally being uh, a Labour sort of plant but um hmm. anyway <laughs> well to be fair ajp did not run in south brisbane which yeah. i was expecting them to yeah no no they did not and that was that's we, we appreciate that thank you ajp i've enjoyed um sad labor people online bringing up that like the greens got less of a vote in places like gladstone and rockhampton yeah. than the legalized cannabis party and well, like, you know, like- that rules the punters want their cannabis <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Almost like, you know, strategically allocating resources and strategically campaigning for the good idea that leads to electoral gains. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing, right? Like, you. A party that's as small as the Greens can't influence the structural trend. Like, we're just not able, we're not in the position to do that. But what you can do is go, okay, let's pick where we can get over the line and mm. put the resources in and build the movement that's capable of, of shifting that. Um, and that's what we did. Um, yeah. Well, kind of a nice feeling. Yeah, pretty fucking good. Because, <laughs> just, you know, to be clear, we're talking about some negative trend. Some negative trends across the state for the Greens that made this job harder, a lot harder than it could have been. Yeah. We did win, though. We, yeah. we still we won. Fucking won. <laughs> we won. I mean, our winners. <laughs> this election, this episode will be called the winner's episode. <laughs> um, as every episode will be from now on, actually. But I think it would be interesting to talk a little bit about how those dynamics played out in South Brisbane yeah. specifically then, right? Yeah. Because that's what we all had. The, like, I can't really speak for what the feeling on the ground in, like, Gladstone or yeah. Rocky or wherever or Cairns. I mean, we got some good results in Cairns, actually. Um, but, like, we can talk fairly, um, you know, confidently about all the all the trials and tribulations and shenanigans of the South Brisbane seat and what what got the Greens over the line. Um, I definitely spoke to a lot of people who, like particularly like elderly, like 70-something-year-old, like Labor voters who are super disengaged with politics and are normally quite easy to be like, like you can start leading the conversation by being like, yeah, politics is shit. Mm. Um, and then just not at all being willing to be led mm. whereas six six twelve months ago mm. that was such an easy easy conversation yeah. to have like i would just you know i would bet that i would win like yeah. win their votes in like you know seven or eight out of ten of the times for that kind of person but this time i just like couldn't get these people mm. to mm. to agree that there was something like fundamentally like rotten in the high of the political institutions yeah yeah i mean age i think is probably a really good starting point right here. I mean, I 
you, you all had Kia Milburn on the show months um, or so ago. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's approximately three years what ago. Feels like yeah, uh, a decade ago. And um, and I just recently read his book, which is I think really worth a read. It's very short and and digestible, and um, I would suggest everyone reads Generation Left. But um, I think those trends, if it particularly was it, you could definitely tell on pre poll and election day, right? young people coming up enthusiastically mm-hmm. grabbing the Greens how to vote card and, and running the gauntlet of all these like very broken Labour people shouting like uh, a vote for the Greens is a vote for COVID. Keep, keep, keep Kim's are <laughs> safe. <laughs> vote Greens and your nana dies and they just run over the line and they vote Green and they're really excited about it. Yeah. So like that you could tell, right? Like the and, – and the polling that we did six weeks – before the election had something like the the breakdown within it said something like 85 percent of 18 to 24 year olds or something were voting for the greens wild which is totally fucking insane which i think is like everyone who didn't is therefore either like a member of the alp or the liberal party right like that's what they have they like have a family a strong family connection to if you don't have a strong family connection to those the majors, then you almost definitely vote green. Or, or you're like a, a um, you're wealthy, young, like your parents are, are, are very successful business owners and all this mm. stuff, and you vote mm. LNP because it's directly in your class interest. But for all those like more I saw normal some working class, come out who were like, yeah, like they came in, they like said no at the pre poll, and then as they were leaving, out, they were like. The Greens are just commies. And I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're yeah, yeah. poor, sad little bitch. Yeah, you poor, sad little bunch of fucking, you're in the minority. You're really heads. on the wrong side of history. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, oh, there's like literally two of you. Yeah. Like I've seen all two of you in the whole fucking electorate. Yeah, yeah. You, sh- you should feel bad. <laughs> and then there was the, you know, the powerful youth faction of the Common Sense Brigade with their very extremely election swinging memes. Yeah, right. Um, because they're so de- just fucking detached from like you hang out in in South Brisbane as a young person and you're not a sort of green supporter and my god you're you're part of a weird clique basically yeah. and like Declan said probably it's a Labor Party clique like it's a yeah. family connections you know friends of staffers etc cetera, etc cetera. like you're you're all in United Voice or something and that's why you've got that alternative viewpoint. Yeah, and. I- I definitely got that generational sense on the booth as well um, to the extent that like, because <laughs> I was, a lot of my time on pre-poll was spent on our second pre-poll booth, um, which was not in West End. It was in Gabba, and um, the age breakdown was very different. It was like majority old people coming in to vote. And um, the, me and um, another volunteer were there one morning and we saw a young person like approaching in the distance and got really excited. Like, all right, here's someone we can actually talk to. Um, <laughs> and they come up and it turns out they're one of our volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that that is also part of it, right? Like so many, we had so many volunteers out on election day and they were 80% young people. Yeah, you know, yeah. In contrast to the Labor Party. I and was the Libs. actually, yeah, saying to, to Ryan after we were on the pre-poll together and... Because, yeah, it was only us. We were, like, the only people under 40 there. Um, And I was like, do you reckon the Labor Party people ever look around and just think, oh, the Greens have a lot of young people and we have none. Is that, like, a problem for our movement? Or I just totally fly over I I kept thinking that. I wanted to ask them, like, like, the whole time. Does this feel bad to you? Yeah. Like, have you noticed that, like, 
none of you are young. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. just like except for like your daughter. Yeah, yeah. Or that like UV hack. Yeah, you know? there's like yeah. two or three young people. They're all employed by the unions and probably paid to be here. Yeah, and everyone else is old. Yeah. What's yeah, yeah? Have you thought about that? Like, do you, have you considered that there's something structural happening in politics which is affecting the Labor Party? No, but they've, like, I, I genuinely think they've gone full, like, Hillary Clinton brain of, like, it's the voters who are wrong kind of a thing. Oh, they're convinced. Like, you know, young people, they just don't understand. Uh, they don't, um, you know, they, they, they're naive. They've been hoodwinked by the Greens. The Greens have promised all this stuff. They, they don't have the life experience to understand that that can't be done. All that sort of stuff. Like, that's the perspective. Um, well, yeah. the Labour Party can never fail. It can only ever be failed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think, like, it, it, was, it was incredibly exciting. And I think the other thing is that the, the other thing, it wasn't just young people were voting for the Greens. The, um, the only people who were voting enthusiastically were mm. the people voting for the Greens. And that was, that was the other thing that kind of made me feel really, like, excited um, on those booths, even when it was a bit of a contest, and you could tell people were coming in, they were still voting for Labor, they were still voting, like I mean, less and less for the Libs, but like it was that when someone was coming to vote for the Greens, you could tell that they were like, yeah, I'm part of yeah, this they're pleased thing, to be part of it. That this is like we're going to make history, we're going to start shaking things up. I believe in this project. It wasn't this kind of passive, like, oh, I suppose I should just do this, uh, which was definitely the, the feeling of resignation you could see on a lot of the Labor voters' faces. The Labor voters didn't didn't seem to engage with it as a, in any other way other than I'm a Labor voter. Mm. Like, and I had a couple of people who, like, were just like, you know, they're very much like the working class Labor voter that we, we adore as like a, as a, as an individual in, in our society, right? They're just like salt of the earth fucking heroes. Mm. Um, but I probably only had over like two weeks of pre-poll on election day, one of those kind of very traditional Labor voters who yeah. I could just be like, I could engage in mm. any meaningful way at all. Mm. Um, yeah. And the rest were just like, oh, I'm a Labor voter. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Yeah. I, I stopped thinking about this a really long time ago. I'm probably never going to think about it again. And I think like talking about sort of hope versus fear i mean certainly the way they tried to swing people back um was mainly through fear yeah. uh so like you know you have to vote labor because if jackie goes then that means the party will just drift further to the right <laughs> just like yeah. why are you in such a ter- like a broken party if you're like the only person holding it together uh don't risk an lnp government yeah heard that don't one risk, a lot. yeah the whole risk thing was really amazing that they said like it was kind of like the the chain of logic is a, is like quite it's, it's really, it was effective for an establishment voter, but it's like the chain of logic is don't risk voting for the Greens because then the Greens will mean there's one less seat for Labor, which means there might be an LNP government and then the LNP government might open the borders and your nana dies. <laughs> like that's, that was the kind of like full arc, right? Or we go back into lockdown or like, you know, the economy Fucking crashes like and they fire people and blah, blah, blah. But like that's the chain of logic. But that only works if the like status quo is rewarding you in any fucking way. And I think that's the Which thing. Which only like, happens like, to people who are over, say, let's say 45. Well, yeah, if you own a home, you have a secure job, you've got super that's looking like you'll be able to retire relatively well, all of that sort of stuff, you've got something to lose. You don't want to risk it. Um, 
Nicole and I only realized in the last um, two or three hours of the West End um, State School booth on election day that whenever they said, um, don't risk an LNP government, we should have fired back, risk it for the biscuit, guys. No greens. Because <laughs> you got to risk it for the biscuit. You do got to risk it for the biscuit. And that's why all these young people were voting for the Greens really enthusiastically because they were like, I'm taking the courageous stance. I'm going to vote for the Greens. Yeah. It's a risk, but I've got nothing to lose. Pretty much, yeah. And I think, yeah, the, certainly the spectre of Campbell Newman which is one they always drag out I think does not for people who are you know in their early 20s now that doesn't really like doesn't really cut through with them um I also thought it was interesting that because last time in 2017 when we ran to you know trying to win the seat and in the last three to four weeks of the campaign Jackie started running very aggressively the line that um if you vote Greens, you're risking one nation. And that cut through like crazy. And that was probably what lost us the election in the end. And I just, I didn't feel like that had the same resonance mm, this time. I'm mm. not sure why. Um, maybe I just, because one nation across the state was no longer a political threat. Yeah. But yeah, I was interested to see that. Yeah. She didn't even try that one. I talked to a labor friend a while ago about like, you know, what, what was their analysis of what's kind of happened here? Um, and, they mostly thought it was COVID, but they also like did talk about the spectre of Campbell Newman, which I, I think is a really, I think it's a huge misnomer. Like I think there are a lot of public servants who, and public servants are a big and significant voting block who, who probably do care a little bit, but I don't think it's, it's having any influence over politics now. And I think them doing everything they could to try and tie Deb Frecklington to Campbell Newman seemed really, really weak. It's such a long mm. time ago. It seemed like a pretty tenuous connection to begin with, and I, I wonder how long they're going to keep trying to hold, like the narrative that it's it's either Labor or Campbell Newman, like because it seems it seems like they've surely got all the political capital they can out of that. They've ringed mm. it dry. One of the things that really comes through when you talk to Labor people on the booth or elsewhere is how much they see it as a. Uh, it's the LNP who are the evil villain who are responsible for everything and mm. it's them and it's Labour and it's this amorphous thing called the left who are the good guys and it's the right who are the bad guys. Um, and like I was listening to some Labour people talk amongst themselves and one of them was saying, well, it's Murdoch's plan to split the left and that's what he's doing down here is he's trying to split the left and it's there's thinking, who the, who the fuck's the left in yeah. your... Do, Do you, you think consider we're on yourself the same side? part of the left? Because yeah. I sure don't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and like I, I kept trying to like troll one of the um the Labour volunteers um at one point because he was, he kept saying he was standing behind. He was trying to get in Amy's like physical space a lot, and the only line he was running was, "Vote Labour, don't risk your job." And I kept turning around, and being like, oh, "I keep thinking you're from the Liberal Party because I keep mishearing you and saying, like." If you vote Labour, you're risking your job. Like, I think you're saying that. It sounds like what the LNP always say. Like, yeah, but you're yeah. saying it that as a reason to vote Labour. It's totally yeah. like, it's, oh, yeah. I honestly keep thinking you're in a blue shirt, but then I see you. Um, <laughs> no, what, what he meant to say was vote Labour, don't risk my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brutal. I spoke to somebody at the Victory Party um, who was, before Labour could get in, was just saying to people, Vote Greens, don't risk an LNP government. <laughs> and then the Labour people going, oh. That's our line. <laughs> that's the only thing that we can say. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, I think, that, like, there was a sense in which that 
that appealed to some people. I, I think we have to accept that given that the Labor vote held relatively well in the seat of South Brisbane and only yeah, got 1.3 points. Yeah, let's talk a points. bit about that. I, I think, I think Labor is increasingly, like in Queensland and, and state politics in general, is increasingly becoming a conservative party. Um, I, the, like I was stunned by how much they absolutely loved the we are safe because she is strong kind oh, yeah. of rhetoric, Amazing. which sounds like it's from an alt future where like, Margaret Thatcher is still running England. She's a robot. Like definitely, like the world is like pretty bleak. It's pretty She's dark, just referred but to Thatcher as the is, Like she yeah. is strong. Yeah, um, yeah and that's yeah. why we are safe. Yeah, um, absolutely. But absolutely. So I, I was pushing. Like I was thinking about this and looking at like like Labor as the natural party of government in Queensland mm. since the National Party has fallen apart, and they yep. absolutely are. Like in yep. my lifetime, there was like Rob Borbidge. Borbo. For a tiny Two little while, which I really didn't know much about, and yeah. that was pretty interesting to kind of look into. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it's just like Newman, and that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It's just Labor. It's just it's just red this whole time, which is amazing given that like Labor are always saying, "Oh well, look, you know, we can't just do any do anything." Like it's like you've been in government for like thirty years. Yeah. Like majority government in a unicameral house is like you'd have to do something pretty bad to not win at this yeah. point. Like yeah. why don't you just give it a go? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And then like, yeah. yeah, I guess the flip side of that is well, that like in the absence of any effective opposition, it's like what motive do they have to do anything mm. apart from their own personal virtue as people ostensibly on the left. Mm. Well, I think maybe that's why one of the reasons why um, they're being such incredibly sore winners and basically the only like things they're saying in in the press is just crying about losing South Brisbane. Mm. And the reason is that, yeah, they're realizing that they have an effective opposition in the inner city now. Oh yeah. And um, they, you know, that's, it, it represents a serious existential threat to them because otherwise like, what is the big deal? Like you guys knew you were going to lose the seat. Everyone knew you were going to lose the mm. seat and you won majority government. Mm. And yet the only thing you can talk about is this one seat. <laughs> like I've been shocked by that. Honestly, I, I really have no, like, I think the seat of South Brisbane is a symbolic rupture in a way that Maywa wasn't. So when oh, we won Maywa sure, in 2017, sure. it was a new seat. We weren't winning off an incumbent. Yeah. We didn't win it off labor. It was more likely to be a liberal seat. Right. This is so beautiful because, and I, I was saying this all the time at pre-poll and at, like, to voters as well, which is if we win, this is only going to be the fourth time Labor has lost this seat in 105 years. And they'll never get it back. And now. they will never, ever get it back. Like it represents, it, it, it represents such an important shift in, in like the, the absolute jewel in like Labor's crown. And I think the other thing to say is that what what did we win the seat on the basis of is the other yep. thing. Like we probably should we've spent a lot of time throwing a lot of salt at the Labor Party, yeah. which is like unusual for this yeah, podcast. Yeah, right. But like, what shocked. did we win the seat on the basis of? It was like two things: one, an insane platform. Like from the standpoint of establishment politics, what we were proposing was tantamount to like insane utopian thinking, and a a movement that was just absolutely like ruthless um and and relentless and people driven right like it was tweeting mean things oh that's right (laughs) well we've got time to go into that but i think winning a seat so this is like where you've got this parallel two parallel universes happening in south brisbane i think where on the one hand there's a layer of people being like oh you know i'll reward Labor because... They um, haven't absolutely fucked they it. They haven't absolutely fucked it. I can see how the decisions of the Labor government have made meant that my life can continue to be of a standard that I deem acceptable because, 
you know, I, I'm in a particular class position and so on. And like, I don't resent those voters. Like, I can totally understand that mentality. Like, and we have to win them over in time. And I think we will. But I think that's one world. And then the other world are those people. And not all of them are, like, there are middle aged people with houses and stuff who voted for the Greens. Many, many of them. But I they think they probably cool- tend to still have debt. In, yeah, a way, in a way that the older voters who we can't shift yeah, back don't. And true. I think that's a really important kind of aspect that's of That's true. There are also like cultural and ideological factors as well. Um, but I think you're right. Like the core of it is like a class thing. And so there's the other, the parallel universe is this layer of people who are like, now's the time to make the break, you know, right? And now's the time to talk about like, you know, what, what was our platform in the end? We may as well spruik it. <laughs> hey, dear flood listeners, you're going to get the content. What was it? What did we talk about? How um, do we win votes? Yeah, well, you know, um, well, it was funny because we, so in Griffith in uh, federal election last year, uh, we, like, I think our, our flagship policy ended up being dental into Medicare. Oh, yeah. Um, and this time around, we kind of struggled to find an equivalent. I don't think one emerged. I really don't. Well, I think in the last couple of weeks, we, free hospital parking probably came the closest. It was the closest. But Which I just is funny because it's a real niche. Like, we just kind yeah. of threw it in there. Like, yeah. no one expected it to take off yeah. the way it did. I think yeah. I think also, I think to some extent, we, we're, we're, oh, we're using free hospital parking a little bit as a, like, as a, as a, like, a, a, like a place filler for dental into Medicare. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think it had the same kind of bite. Yeah, for that, sure. That I'm just saying it's the closest equivalent. Yeah, it ab- absolutely. And but- uh, the other thing that I think I personally swung the most votes on was um, uh, manufacturing policy. So putting mm. government owned manufacturing hubs in um, central Queensland, uh, manufacturing. Uh, solar panels and wind turbines like i won i think publicly a lot of publicly owned publicly owned yeah so i think I, I won a lot of even like right-wing voters over on that one because they're very suddenly everybody was all about um revitalizing queensland manufacturing because of the pandemic and um they just love to hear a good common sense policy mm. you know? yeah, mm. <laughs> i had an amazing um i, I spoke to a couple who like during the conversation i was like oh why am i doing this because they were just like committed and much smarter than you kind of business people mm. who were like, you know, like, oh, you guys will never manage the economy. And I was like, oh, we've got this really great COVID fly about all the sorts of things we want to do. Um, mm. And I talked through all this publicly owned stuff and they were all really, really like ideologically and like quite emotionally committed against this. But apparently they they ran into someone um, and said that they were going to vote green because they'd watched the David Attenborough documentary and had like a profound climate change, like Mm, moment of climate change mm, anxiety. mm, And we were the only ones with a plan. So even mm, though they were ideologically quite opposed, even to this mm, like publicly owned renewable stuff, they were like, well, at least it's renewable stuff full stop. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, climate, I think was the background for particularly for young people. Right. But I think the platform for older people, I think, I, I think I was shifted. I think I probably shifted as many votes on climate this time as I ever have. Like, yeah. normally I try and err away from it, but it seemed mm-hmm. to, to really kind of coalesce around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what... I mean, I, sp- I suppose the thing that we did was pick a huge fucking fight with the mining industry, right? Yeah. Which was like, I thought really clever move in that it cohered an environmental constituency with uh, like a class-based constituency where it's sort of like we're going after the mining industry and for those who care exclusively about climate they can see how the power that the mining industry wields over queensland is contributing to climate change in a like (laughs) terrifying like degree but then for everyone else it's kind of like it's just like oh yeah that they're the wealthiest fucking corporations in queensland and they're not 
pan- like the, and they're ripping us off. Yeah, and, and it so was the, yeah. it, it was really easy to talk about how like the state government gives these companies permission to dig up something which ostensibly does belong to all of us and to the state of Queensland, and yet. Our schools are underfunded. Our hospitals are underfunded. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Actually, I mean, that's an interesting point because I remember talking on the phone to um, someone who, who – this is a wild conversation. Like, she was a very nice lady, lived in West End, just sounded like your average kind of West End mum. And then she's like, so what's, you know, the Greens policy on climate change? And I was like, oh, that's a bit of a weird question. Like, most, most of the time people already know that. So, I kind of like – you know, I was like, oh, this is basically it. Like, you know – um, transitioning to renewables, but in the meantime, like really um, increasing taxes on mining corporations to fund services, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, focusing on a just transition in the regions. Um, and then she goes, okay, yeah, you see, I'm kind of concerned because I just, I, I think cl- climate change is part of a globalist agenda. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, um, <laughs> how do I walk it back? And she's like, it's a, oh my God. so I just, I, I worry the Greens are, you know, too extreme. But I was kind of able – I have no idea if I want to vote. But in the conversation, I was kind of able to pivot to being like, look, whether or not you believe in climate change, like surely we can all agree that big mining corporations should pay more in tax. And it's like, yeah, I guess so. We should have more public ownership. Like when people say globalist, I just start saying, yeah, absolutely. Neoliberalism is really bad. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think – Running on a platform where what did we what did we say free hospital parking free, free public school, transport free public transport free lunches f- and and breakfast for all free public school kids sport. free public school pubs uh, sc- club sport, sport. Yep. free sport and pubs. yeah yeah we didn't actually announce nationalising forex but universal yeah. public housing yeah yeah hundred thousand new homes over the next like four years um, fully funding state schools to like the to the absolute hilt where you don't even have to pay for your, your kids excursions um or your laptop or anything um a shit ton of new nurses and doctors it was sort of like a social democratic platform plus right mm. like a, lot a, of, a very ro- very robust social democratic platform. i feel like i feel like there was still publicly owned renewable energy i feel like there was still a lot of votes won oh at least because I did so much of talking to people who were living in the apartments um, where the, like the inadequacy of like the local urban urban realm was a really big issue. Like whether that was traffic or the shitty dog parks or whatever it was. Um, And I feel like, you know, being able to pin the shitty planning act on the fucking planning minister who Mm. accepted 270 grand in donations the year she fucking wrote it. Yeah. 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 was really, really good. And being able to connect that to like, she insists that the state government have nothing to do with planning and that it's all council. And it's like, well, that's funny coming from the, the brief the ex-minister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we went quite hard this time because we, we already knew that um, overdevelopment was a big issue in the area. And I think this time we just decided to go hard with saying, you know, Labor wrote the Planning Act mm. um, and really trying to pin it personally more on the Labor Party. Um, yeah, that was, that's, that's definitely a thing. Still, that, that, that will really always be a thing. thing. Yeah, I mean, and you know, you still have the the good old the classic parking convo with people in West End who can't find a park on their street, and you know that's that's because um, we've seen you know overdevelopment in the area without an expansion of accompanying infrastructure like public transport. So there's too many cars, and you know, then then that's because Labor takes so much money in corporate donations from uh, well, you know, before 2017 from property developers. So and yeah. yet they yeah, still no. do. 
Yeah. The whole shit with Wattpack. Yeah, I know. It boggles the mind. I don't understand. So they took... The, the Labour Party ended up having cash for access meetings with Wattpack, which is a developer, and yet somehow there's a loophole where that's not banned under their property developer donation ban that we kind of forced them into doing. Very strange. I mean, I think... Yeah, the corporate donations stuff was still like probably yeah. at the center of our message, right? Like, For it was sure. on all of our billboards and call flutes saying, like, we don't take corporate donations so, or donations from corporations, so we'll fight for you. Was still the core, kind of core message. The, um, the line I started using and wish I came up with it sooner on election day was, um, we want to like tax the shit out of the, the other party's donors and use it to pay for adequate public services. Oh, that's nice. Oh, it was really good. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it puts... Because it makes it really clear. Because like, it makes it... Yeah. It puts the whole platform really quick. Like, yeah, yeah. really, really quick. Like, they're, they're not going to tax the shit out of their donors. Oh, out of their own donors. Yeah. We will. Yeah. And we'll use it to pay for yeah. whatever it is that you think you yeah. might want yeah. in your life. <laughs> that wealth redistribution thing was really palpable for me. Like, that was, for most of the campaign, what I won probably most votes on. Yeah, me too. When I was having chats at the door... Um, was just sort of like people's sense of... And I think this is where the do- corporate donation stuff came in as well. And this is what I'm pretty pretty bloody proud of our campaign and our movement for doing. Like, even though the result statewide wasn't exactly what we wanted, we win, we win the seat of Brisbane and we've built this movement. Like, honestly, the scale of the mobilisation uh, across Brisbane and in South Brisbane in particular was huge and we drew so many new people into the movement around a politics of class power like it really was about class power because when we were talking about corporate donations it wasn't like you can read the corporate donation stuff in two ways one is a technocratic thing of like look if we just ban corporate donations then we clean up the democratic system and then then democracy will function really well or you can read it as like it's a symbol of class power. Same with um, the wealth redistribution stuff. We can either say, oh, taxing them is just like a technocratic thing of how we pay for our things. We think it's the best way of doing it. That's where the money is. The other thing is like there's like a justice to forcing these fuckers to finally pay, right? Let's these pay billionaires, their fair share. right? Like, and people resonated with both of the more radical parts of those. It was when you had those conversations where people weren't saying, how are you going to pay for it? And you say, oh, well, we've got a fully costed plan that involves us like hiking royalties to 35 fucking percent of coal and gas. Lucky it's not 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like not, more often than not, the conversation was like, don't you think it's fucked that the big mining corporations exported $480 billion in the last 10 years and only paid 7% And they pay less on that. tax on that than you pay on, on bloody coffee. Coffee mm. with GST. And they dodge all the federal taxes. 10 out of the 11 of the biggest uh, mining corporations in Queensland didn't pay any federal taxes last year. So they're only paying 7%. Don't you think they should pay more? And people's like... Rage, And then the same thing about the corporate donations. It's people's tapping into people's class instinct was really... But I think that's probably, again, coming back to the youth vote thing. It's like that class rage seems to be much more palpable amongst young people and more disaffected working class people of all ages, right? If you're just living in a bit of a shitty house with a lot of debt, um, if you don't have a great job, whatever, you're going to be much more inclined to feel that rage at that, um, at, at those symbols of class power. Yeah. I think like uh, I, had a, I had more success this time around because in previous elections, I feel like I've often struggled with, you know, you get those voters who are so anti-poll that they just 
they're, they're too far gone and you can't even pull them back to the idea that the greens are different. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> That's true. And uh, that was a bit of a less of a problem this time, possibly because of what we talked about before, like just the drop in anti-political sentiment more broadly. But also I think I was able to kind of like finesse the messaging a little bit and like a line that I often used was, you know, if you take money from mining corporations, you're not going to ever take the fight up to mining corporations in parliament. Like, why would you? Yeah. That's, that's what, and that's like a very, I think a succinct way of explaining like, you know, yeah, the Greens are different not only because we don't take that money, but because what not taking that money allows us to do because of the position that puts us in, in within the political system. Um, and, you know, people responded to it. I was, yeah, I, I didn't do as many voter conversations this time around, but I did uh, write a fair bit of stuff. Mm. And one of the things I did was break down uh, messaging into what I thought were five basic categories, which were anti-politics, jobs, services, the environment and development. Um, Checks out. Checks out. Yeah. Which I think <laughs> was... And that, that took a while to do, but that was the basic framework for the messaging in my mind and I found it really easy to do what I was doing which was build narratives that connect these things together um, and to start from the really basic anti-political messaging which is just uh, rich, bad, (laughs) big companies, they're bad, they bribe politicians, politicians work for the big companies and not you, that's bad. (laughs) Yeah. And that's like, and it's almost like, I back that. (laughs) Done. (laughs) Which everyone, everyone in the world knows that's true. Yeah. But it's almost like that's a basic rhythm, and then you can improvise on that in so Mm. many different ways. Yeah. And there's so many different, like, these are all instruments that you can bring in at at different points. And sometimes you can bring in the jobs if you're talking to someone, often a more right wing voter will respond well to manufacturing. So you'll bring in jobs for that, or you'll bring in. Um, services for maybe someone who uh, works in a more service um, works in a service industry or is a mm, nurse or mm. something and then there's yeah like but it all it all fits together and it all comes mm, back mm. to this this basic logic that flows I think it allows you to bring it through all of these different topics that all appear to all these different voters into this master narrative. And that was what I was really satisfied yeah. with. And I talked to Max and I talked a lot about this with regard to the um, platform because um, like there were some elements of it that flew against what I, one of my sort of main um, criteria on criteria for, um, for, for policy is that it should seem like a, a qualitative break with policy of the other parties rather than just like like Labor announces 500-somethings and you announce 750. Well, you know that you're not, as a minor party who's kind of a bit, doesn't have the, the, the cut through and the, you know, uh, the like sway, that, that doesn't seem very... Like it's that's meaningless. Not a, it's yeah. kind of meaningless. It's sort of like tit for tat and like the major party is always going to win out because they seem like, well, at least they're going to implement it. It's a bit less, but they're going to implement it. Whereas, you know, so one of my things is always like it's got to seem like a qualitative break to kind of go, yeah, well, that's why I would vote for them because the other party is not even willing to fucking talk about it. Mm-hmm. But we announced a bunch of stuff that were quantitative increases, like 6,500 new 
sexy nurses. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> labor's like, not labor's not guaranteeing sexy. Well, that's true, <laughs> and that's the qualitative break, right? That was so funny because how we what was our actual? Because then they announced like. 300 more than that. Yeah, so we announced 9,500 more nurses and doctors. And Sexy then, nurses and then doctors. They, and then they announced six weeks after our announcement, 9,475 new health practitioners. Basically the same policy, although when you read the fine print, it was very similar to the um, Boris Johnson uh, NHS nurses thing, oh, yeah. where it's like, well, half of them are just rehires. Like when people like... Uh, Quit, you know, yeah, like all this sort of stuff. Yeah. It's like only half of them were actually new. It was the same with their teachers. We will maintain <laughs> the contracts of six thousand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so like that—that that was kind of hilarious. But there were a few qual- like quantitative increases that um, the whole way of trying to think about it was: as long as you insert the qualitative break first, then the quantitative increases seem more meaningful. This is the theory. I don't know. Like, it'd be interesting to. Well, I mean, I thought we, I felt we tested at the door and I felt it worked. Whereas if you lead with, so if you lead with like, we don't take corporate donations and we're going to make the mining corporations and banks fucking pay their fair share, then everything you say after that feels like a meaningful, dif- like meaningfully differentiated yeah. from the status quo. So it could even just be, and we'll use that money to invest $7 billion more in health uh, or, or education. And that doesn't seem just sort of like a weird commitment of an extra nebulous sum of money because labor were making some pretty big spending promises too <laughs> so with the lips so with the lips everyone ev- yeah, the lips fucking 300 dollars rebate on everyone's rego is a huge and spending promise none of those fuckers had it caught like <laughs> none of, you couldn't yeah, yeah. tell where How they were gonna fund it from like debt i guess how will you pay for it? No one knows. Yeah, and that's the point of the no corporate donations, so we can tax the other party's donors, mm-hmm. so we can actually pay for this, so we'll actually for real do it. Wasn't it like a few days before the election that Labor's, um, uh, the health minister had to admit that, um, oh yeah, we're going to have to find a billion dollars in cuts to fund our yeah, new yeah, nurses yeah. and That was how they were going to cost But they didn't know where it. the cuts were going to come from. Like, it's like, yeah, well... <laughs> well can't, rut, rut. I fucking can't believe the Greens get Stephen like... Miles, pill- Stephen Miles. <laughs> Don't ask me that. Well, it turns out it's actually quite easy for a party like this. Like, Joe Biden's doing this as well. He's promising... You know, some big spending, but what they absolutely cannot do is promise to pay for it. This is yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? That the left, the far left, seems to get hammered on this argument of how you're going to pay for yeah, it. Yeah, it makes me so angry. She's <laughs> like, I don't know, more debt. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We yeah. always have. Um, do use- people care about debt anymore? Like, no one. There was there I- were early on in the in the door knocking when the pandemic or like or the phone calling when the pandemic had hit and people were like, holy shit, they're just like throwing money at the economy so it keeps going there were a few conversations where people were like well i'm worried about how they're going to pay down debt and i'll always be like well you know where the money is it's in the fucking mining sector isn't it yeah but well, after that i think people just was like you know the new normal is like just trillions of dollars of debt i I'll didn't say, have yeah. it i had it come up once with a voter who um was had never actually voted before because he'd just become a citizen he was a new zealander um and oh it was like <laughs> one of those conversations where he was 
obviously he didn't consider himself that political, but he had some really nasty right wing views, including like, um, you know, there's so many people on welfare, they just don't want to work, blah, blah, blah. He kept coming back to that. And I'd be mm. like, yeah, let's talk about something else. He was worried about debt. And the only reason I stayed on the fucking phone with him for 20 minutes listening to all this garbage was that he really loved the idea of state-owned manufacturing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I may have swung his vote. <laughs> Sorry, Matt, you were going to say that? Oh, I was going to say... Um Look, obviously, Liam, you don't know about modern monetary theory, <laughs> which is how they're going to pay for it. Because it turns out Stephen Miles just, is actually an MMT head. Yeah, you can just spend an infinite amount of money and go into infinity debt, and it's fine. And and, and yeah, and it's like just the, fine. the capitalist class is absolutely going to accept them. You just like making their their money less uh, worth, like yeah, have less. It'll worth. be fine. Money's fake. It's fine. <laughs> And no, they will accept it if if you just give the money over to them. As soon as you start giving it to a social program, they'll be like, "Where's where's um? You need to repay my debt. Thank you very much." No, don't you understand that you can you can fix capital with this one weird trick? With this one weird <laughs> trick, absolutely. Um, we've gone down a bit of a weird uh, t- no, tangent. Well, is, that's what have we yeah. talked about? Um, we've talked about uh, the election results, uh-huh. um, which were good because we won. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we've talked about the nuances of our win. We could go further into the win, but there's know, so much more we can talk of, about. There's a lot of winning out here. Win. Should we talk about what we want to do with I our win? Talk yeah. about my hangover that I had for two days after the election night party. But no, I think we, we could talk about it. The good day I spent online telling yeah. Labour people that they're fucking idiots. Decker's had the best day online <laughs> oh the, on Sunday. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe a few thoughts because I think maybe with another floodcast we should talk a little bit more about strategy going forward because um, that's probably a long conversation, but maybe a few thoughts. But before that... But we should definitely talk about how Labour has managed to just, like grab defeat from the jaws of victory and mm. completely narrativize this terribly. Mm. And like and, and the way that they're... they're Dealing with this, I'm but also like Palaszczuk's appeals to the conservative voters, Mm. like I'm going to govern for you, kind of a thing. I think, um, you know, we've it'll be interesting to see the next four years. But before that, do people have like their one favorite anecdote from the election? Oh, okay. Think off the top of your head. I got mine. Yeah, mine was mine was the last uh, door knock I did. Oh, one of the last door knocks I did um, in East Brisbane was the last door that I was knocking on for that morning. and he was like, <laughs> I said afterwards, it felt like talking to a real life version of one of the like ideal type voters that we use in, in um, volunteer in like campaign training, <laughs> where we like come up with these kind of like almost cliches of, you know, the most extreme type. But this guy was amazing. Um, he was, I think he was 64 because uh, he was, said he was a year away from getting the pension. Um, he Basically, he'd worked um, in various like um, low-level cleaning and cooking jobs. He was about to move to Blackwater to work as a groundsman in the mining camp there. Had a criminal history, just like pretty solid guy. Um, mm. Had always worked, has always uh, voted Labor because of I think like just his working class origins and his dad um, was a loyal Labor voter. And he said he really liked what Palaszczuk had done around um, keeping the borders closed and like mm. she'd been gutsy to, you know, stand up and tell everyone um, to fuck off when, you know, she was under pressure she to was open strong. the borders. She was strong. And, and we were safe. safe. And we were safe. Um, but, you know, when he actually invited me in, sat down and then I was just like, okay, well, you know, like uh, here's our policy and, and, since like he mentioned about to being about to go and work for a mine um, around the mining camps, so I was like, you know, we actually want to tax these um, mining companies a lot more. And he was like, 
wow, I really like the sound of that. You know, I really <laughs> agree with that a hell of a lot. <laughs> and I was like, what about property developers and banks? And it turns out he was like, yeah, yeah, totally on board with that. And he was telling me about how he just, you know, been working before this, he was working, I think as a cook or something, making like $20 an hour. And he was like, how much money did I make for that company for mm-hmm. like so little for myself? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that they wouldn't be paying much in tax either. I was like, that's correct. Um, and he just talked himself around and eventually he just said, you know, you've won my vote um, because it's not about who we want in Queensland. It's about what we want. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was mm. amazing. Um, but we also want Amy. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he was just, he was one of those people who was 100% immediately won over on just like, you know, class consciousness. Um, and the fact we were the only party talking about, yeah, having an actual class analysis of the situation. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Love you, Peter, if you're listening. That's well so done. good. <laughs> um, I want to, I didn't win that many votes on election day, but one was a guy who came up in like a Wallabies jersey and had like, you know, pretty faded tattoos on his arms and stuff. And I like managed to stop him and have a chat. And like what won him over was just like, like basically we want, we want to raise tax on, on the miners, which means that we've got, extra $55 billion to pay with. So, like, you name it, we're, we're going to do something about it. And he was like, sick, I'll vote for you fuckers and put up a fist-to-fist bump. Oh, yeah. And yes. then just, like, walk straight past Labor with that, like... And there just wasn't that many so men good. of that kind of, like, yeah. like working class demographic, like... It's yeah, had the heaps, traditional, like, almost like, stereotypical... The very yeah, traditional, yeah, yeah. stereotypical, yeah, like, yeah. Labour voter. Like, I'd yeah. had, like, so many of these guys walk past me today where I was like, look, if you talk to me for 30 seconds, I yeah. swear to God, mate, yeah, we'll yeah, have yeah. a good time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and I, vote for you don't know what you're missing! <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I actually... I mean, yeah, I was really surprised in my booth in East Brisbane of how many of those guys came past just taking a Greens had a vote. It was really heartening. It was amazing. And I don't want to like get sucked into the trap of being like, this is the real working class because obviously like the working class is incredibly diverse and, Mm. you know, maybe we can talk more about this um, when we talk about Labor's reaction to us winning the seat. But like, you know, the young precariously employed renters who make up a huge chunk of this electorate are working class too. Mm. But yeah, but you're right. we've already won most of their votes, so it seems less yeah. exciting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you're right, Deckers, in that, yeah, and, and Liam, in that we've historically had a harder time with this particular demographic. But, yeah. you know, I think little by little, they're definitely shifting over. Yeah. Do you have one, Matt? Um, I didn't do as many conversations this mm. time. Well, so last time in the Greens for Griffiths campaign, I went out a lot with my brother, Nico, and we had a kind of tag team operation going on, which was quite effective. Um, and then you know, I only did one or two on my own. I didn't have mm. a very good time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Nico moved away uh, in between then and now. So it was quite hard for me to get actually into it. Um, Max forgot his keys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as I was saying before that distraction, um, which contains redacted uh, material, <laughs> yeah, they only harmless statements. Um, <laughs> yeah, of really chill things. As I was saying, yeah. So, um, yeah, I spent uh, Greens for Griffiths. I spent most of that campaigning with my brother, and then I tried to move to campaigning on my own. And at first it it felt like it wasn't my strong suit and I had a really hard time getting into it. So I went out. Um, I At first I was like, okay, I'm going to put my effort somewhere else. And I wrote quite a bit of material and did some other stuff. I ended up, I 
went out with Declan a few times to do street chats and had some really good conversations, but I wasn't really leading them. Mm. Um, and kept being like, okay, I've really got to actually do some of these properly. That's we're all we're all here to do that. Uh, that's how it works. You know, the, just... It's like that meme of, you know, the woman in the field, the castle on the hillside. Yeah, yeah, in between yeah. is the mortifying ordeal. Socialist, socialism, yeah. the mortifying ordeal of talking to other people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then after uh, Fugglygate, something just snapped. Oh, and yeah. I was like, I'm going to get these bastards. <laughs> and just showed up the next day and was like, I'm here to talk to strangers. <laughs> uh, and then say, we I'm all sort of like... And I already drank all my milk. Um. Yeah. Uh, and then shut up, rocked up, just like filled with righteous fury, and then went and just stood by the river and uh, and had the chats, had the chats, and swung two votes Hell at yeah. least. Heck yeah! Uh, knocked up a lot of meaningfuls. Um, it's good stuff. Yeah, just had like two really intense votes with strangers, where they were ambiguous at first and hadn't heard much about it, and then they came out of it like, yeah, I'll vote for you. What, what what did you swing them on? Oh, I think I just uh, it was like covered recovery plans for one. So yeah. I was uh, for both of them. I was like, oh, what are your issues? And one goes like the economy, and I was like, oh, well, like here's the entire economic plan from nuts to bolts. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then the other person was like development. Oh, so yeah. and it was both just like oh yeah so I've got like categories for those like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually spent quite a lot of time <laughs> carefully <laughs> working out like the logic of these yeah. arguments yeah, yeah. from A to Z yeah here's all of that yeah yeah, yeah. And like oh okay yeah yeah seems reasonable checks out yeah yeah, yeah totally so that was my favorite well that's they they are gratifying experiences I think yeah I mean. There were many, many, many things across the six months of the campaign. Probably the one that sticks in my mind is just only because it was the most recent was on election day. Um, uh, And I was at the Dutton Park booth for a little bit. And this uh, guy probably in his late 20s comes up. um, And I've been doing the walk and talk, you know, greeting people like... 30, 40 meters away from the booth and walking them down to the booth. And I and I sort of greeted him, say, Hey, how you going, mate? And it's like, Oh yeah, pretty good. So like, have you made up your mind who you're vote, voting for? And he's like, Oh, nah, not really. Just gonna go in and vote for whoever. And I was like, Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, are there any issues on your mind? And he says, Actually, you're the Greens, right? I saw something about you guys creating construction jobs and I was like, yeah, so we've got this plan, and I sort of outlined the what we call the jobs and homes plan of, you know building 25,000 public homes each year for the next four years, which would create 20,000 jobs a year. Um, And and I was like, look, we've got a housing crisis and we've got a jobs crisis in the construction industry. And then I outlined like how we're going to pay for it. And I started introducing like the class element as well. And you could just see him like nodding along and increasingly getting bought in. Um, And he was like, look, I've only ever put you guys second or third, I think. But, you know, look, yeah, this this sounds really good. And as I sort of like... Uh, and I was like, oh, great. Well, look, here's that's the voting booth. But I foolishly, and I should have just walked him over the line, but I foolishly let him get dragged into the clutches of a Labour volunteer who started running all their lines about, oh, you're risking jobs if you're voting for the Greens, LNP, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, fuck, I've lost the vote. Damn it. I was so close. And then he comes out, gets in his car, and as he's driving off, he, he, he veers over to me and what winds down his window and he's like, 
I voted one for you, mate. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah, chippy dude. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go get a fucking KFC Zinger box together. Can I just say also, for people listening, that means so much to campaigners. I don't think they people realise when they go and tell people that you won their vote. Like, yeah, so that, voters listening to this, please tell us. Yeah, yeah, tell us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we want to know. We need it. <laughs> it helps us campaign more, but also, man, it stays with you. Yeah, it definitely does. I was that guy, like, he just sounds like my mate Stavros, who I had a long conversation with on the phone, who was a, a construction worker. Um, and, yeah, I totally won his vote on, on the construction policy. But then also from there... And this is someone who started off by saying that he wasn't political, that he didn't really ever think about politics. But then, like, talking about, um, yeah, the the need for more social housing, Mm. um, he was so on board with that. And then then from there, we got into corporate donations. Mm. Oh, well, I think we got into taxing, tax and spend, basically. Mm. And he was like, Mm. yeah, those big companies should be paying their fair share. (laughs) It was just repeating my lines back to me. It was like one of those super blessed conversations. Uh, yeah, look, I could go on, but um, I think the overall message, like we all had, we all had good, good vote swinging chats on this platform. Um, when we when we reached people who like weren't super establishment types, right? Like when we reached, like we had nine and a half thousand or whatever conversations this campaign, and we swung so many votes. We swung so many votes. Um, you could, like, I can't, rem- I couldn't say how many. Like, I mean, a lot of people, those conversations were people who were already voting for us, but out of that chunk of people who weren't, who were swinger bull, the platform resonated with people in a very, very serious way. And, you and you know, there was like every week, all of us had at least a couple of experience where it was like, oh, I connected on that platform because it taps into a, an instinct people have about what is right and what is wrong and what is wrong with politics and what is wrong with the economy at the moment and that someone's got the guts to actually talk about it gave a lot of people um, quite like... I had a lot of voters thank me. Like, it's fucking crazy when you cold call people over the phone. It's one of the hardest things you can do in campaigning. It's much harder than door knocking, I feel. And... Um, because a lot of people just hang up before anything. But I had so many times over the phone where people would say, you know what, thanks for calling me. I really appreciated this conversation and I'm voting for you guys. Like I would have voted for the Labour Party had you not called me. And it's just like, I think one takeaway from me is that fact that like people are really, really demoralized, right? And like the fact that our platform was so fucking was risking it for the biscuit, won a lot of respect. I think courage is absolutely the thing missing from politics most at the moment, and people responded to it. No matter like, I think people responded to the platform overall. Like, it it, it was the whole platform as a courageous kind of like intervention into a fucking boring politics that people were like absolutely i've i've just remembered actually that i did one phone baking session for the greens in the federal election in 2016 oh dang wow which that's some real commitment hours man why did you get sucked into that i do not remember (laughs) i do not remember how that came about i only did one um and yeah i don't even remember what we talked about but definitely the energy in that room was very very different <laughs> to what it's become. <laughs> and it was only four years ago. I yeah. know, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like we didn't, this time five years ago, we had zero 
um, seats outside of a Senate spot. Mm-hmm. Look, we didn't have a councillor. We didn't have any state MPs. We also didn't have this cadre of trained volunteers and like just so many whip smart people who are capable of getting out there and changing people's minds and winning people over to what is effectively a democratic socialist politics that has not existed in Brisbane in a very long time. So it's seats, sure, but it's also the capacity to have a a movement that um, can start bit by bit transforming what people think is possible in politics. And this sort of like this sort of platform is so necessary to have that. I think like I I told I I was using it as a line, and then I started using using it as a line in a bit of a meta way um, by telling people that I've started saying on door knocks. I think I'm more likely to win secure housing politically than I am to ever afford it. Um, <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah, and and like how how much that like. You, you are fighting for a platform because it actually has this possibility of improving your life and why that like why that's got us so many young volunteers coming out is because there's this whole platform of like all these secure jobs and actually surviving climate change and like having a house for the first time in your whole life and all this sort of stuff where of course young people are going to come out for that we we don't have a possibility of achieving that in any other aspect of our lives um, I think like while we're because we've been going for a while probably time to wrap up soon Mm. but while we're on this sort of generational question uh we'd be remiss not to talk about uh what we refer to um internally as mean girls gate (laughs) (laughs) i did want to talk because mean girls gate was not the only uh sneaky dirty trick that labor tried and failed to pull in the course of this election yeah Mm. but i think like the fallout from that particularly uh, coalesced around generational lines as well absolutely um and I talked a bit, a bit about this on uh, the Wrong Island podcast, uh, but certainly, like, um, f- if you if you want to build like a mass movement that's not just you know um, political student politics hacks who've been training for public office since the day they were born and have totally sanitized public images and no personality. If you want to build a movement of like normal people um, who you know, don't like self-censor online or even occasionally like, you know, the tweet I posted, I just want to clarify, there was nothing wrong with the tweet. Like, It's a good tweet. It, it did not call Jackie Chad anything, even mm. uh, it didn't even call the Labour Party anything. But, you know, there are also people out there who have posted like inadvisable stuff on their mm. um, social media stuff that, you know, you could say, okay, maybe you should apologise for that. Um, but, you know, that like that can't be your criteria for mm. being involved with politics. Like mm. you can't just gatekeep like that. It's, it's, um, it's not uh, sustainable for actually building a movement. Um, and I feel really proud that we, you know, th- that when this came up in our campaign, which, you know, it was almost inevitable uh, mm. at one stage or another yeah. that we actually just like threw it back in their face and were like, no, we're not going to play by this, the rules of this cooked game you're attempting to force on us. Um, and I think that has been, not often done in the past. Um, I think like when it happened to, for instance, like Bernie Sanders campaign, like they initially made the mistake of just trying to apologize, trying to move on, trying to like, yeah, uh, distance themselves from it. And that only fed the fire. So if there is a silver lining um, to the, that whole incident, I think hopefully, um, (laughs) yes, uh, hopefully it's that it, provides a lesson for other greens and left-wing campaigns that you actually don't have to um 
you don't have to play by the, the rules of that game. You can actually just refuse to accept the terms. Um, yeah, and and young people in particular, I think, definitely responded to, to our response there. Oh, massively so, massively so. And there was just, you know, the, the only blowback we got. And I think, it was, I think it was very, very marginal. I don't think it shifted many votes back to Labor. Um, although for the people who did shift back to Labor on that, I... Like, I don't resent many voters in this election, but for those people, take a good fucking hard look at yourself. Because if you're switching back to a party that approves 18 coal mines and does royalties, deals with Adani and locks up children and builds, you know, more prisons and funds more police than they're willing to spend on social housing. Um, and if and if a tweet that sort of seems a little bit problematic, but in fact isn't, is enough to flip you back to them, you should really think about your priorities. Um, but... That for all of you listening to this podcast, yeah, exactly. Yeah. For all of you who are absolutely not listening to this podcast and don't know it exists, well, um, you know, you can, um, if you have an elderly, like, or like a middle aged or boomer relative who thinks that way, you can just clip that, please, and pass play it that to on to them, yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, I think it was, it was that kind of middle class, middle aged establishment type in sort of probably West End who are a bit like, well, oh, that's just not how politics should be done, you know. And we rolled over the top of it and young people didn't give two flying shits. And they and they really appreciated the response that was, yeah, that was said, no, I'm gonna, not going to play your stupid game. Because what you, you've got to respect voters' intelligence. I think I said to a lot of people at the party, the big mistake that the left has been making around the world is that they've failed to understand that voters are smart and good. Mm. And <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Like The people are fundamentally yeah, good. Yeah, people are fundamentally good and they're also smart and they're going to think critically and make intelligent decisions. And, like, you've got to pitch your campaign to that. Like, like you simplify things in terms of messaging because you're talking to people who probably have a lot else on that day. Yeah. But you're not dumbing it down. You're simplifying no. it. And ultimately... You're trying to get a comp- a complex idea across to a busy person, but an intelligent person. Yeah, which is exactly what like corporate donations is. It's like shorthand. It's it's, for it's class a shorthand power. for yeah. for this whole symbol of the way the political class is completely like disconnected from and like financially intertwined with with the, with the like the ruling class in terms of their like relationship to capital. It's not, and by mentioning it, you can hopefully start that conversation and have it in a more sophisticated way. But that's not... We're not trying to be like corporate donations is the be-all and end-all of this. No. And hearing that frustrates the shit out of me. (laughs) So, should we... Because I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here. I do want to talk now about Labor's response to losing the seat of South Brisbane. Yeah, it's made me really happy. It's really, (laughs) really funny. It's so much more satisfying than if they'd been gracious. Like, (laughs) if they just said, well, you know, I mean, honestly, like, we were sort of, someone mentioned before, uh, Anastasia saying to, you know, the One Nation voters who shifted back to Labor will be governing for you. Why not say that to the Greens vote, like the people who are voting Greens now, be like, Mm. we want to bring you back into the tent. Um, it's yeah because they're cowards and fundamentally ideologically right wing. But yes, yeah. that is an important thing to remember. Like that, the Labor Party is a right wing organization, and the, I'm sorry, Jackie Trad led a right wing economic 
platform. It must be said. Yeah. She's not one of us on the inside of the Labor Party. They, they're a right-wing organisation with right-wing economics and she led a right-wing economic platform within the Labor Party. Yeah, but she's <laughs> and that is why they hate our fucking guts. She lives in a $3 million house. She owns a massive property trust and her excuse for doing a house corruption was... We just buy houses and communicate it by text. Trust me, I'm a normal person. The excuse is even worse than the fucking crime. But anyway, like, and you we know, won. <laughs> yeah, I just it's 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 wild to me, hey, because you could, if you were serious about ever winning back those inner city seats or even trying, you would be like, yeah, you know, we listen, we'll try, we'll we hear you. Like, these are your concerns, and we want to do better, and you know, we'll be back, mm-hmm. and so on. But they haven't done that at all. And the fucking hilarious thing about all this whining and crying in the media is that they don't even look like victors. They yeah. just—they look like a, a loser party, which they're not. <laughs> like technically, like they won. Why aren't you happy? Kevin Rudd and Albanese and all these people to like be oh, it's Greens in South Brisbane? Oh no. <laughs> Murray Watt had a fucking press conference in Rockhampton for some reason yeah, yeah, today yeah, 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 yeah. about how LNP preferences apparently got the Greens elected in South yeah, Brisbane. Yeah, it's yeah. like what a waste of time at every level. <laughs> oh god it's yeah. so fantastic it's yeah. it's so fantastic and i did a tweet about how like a working class politics is working and it's really great that alp people are just refusing to see that that's what's happening because they mm-hmm. will they're still consistently never going to prepare for attack from the left because they cannot acknowledge that that's that there is an attack on them from the left to be made yeah I, I think it was our, our friend of Flood, Tristan, who tweeted something like, um, very sad to see the formerly working class electorate of South Brisbane, um, unfortunately gentrified on Friday night, just in time for the Greens to win it on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely saw it was very weird experience to go from this thing that you've been heavily involved in for six months and you, you'd know what happened because you were there. And to see all these randoms on Twitter who had just heard about it yesterday being like, Oh, yeah, that's because of gentrification. Yeah, yeah. That's all rich yeah. people who voted for the South Brisbane yeah, Greens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It couldn't have been mm. the, like, more, more the opposite, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's all the sort of like poor working class um, renters, et cetera, voting for the Greens. And yes. then the, the voting base of both the, the, the what remains of the Libs and, and Labor were far more like small business owners, multi-property owners, et cetera, et cetera. Not obviously all of them. There are plenty of Labor voters who will now come very comfortably over to the Greens. I think Jackie Trad had a personal vote of probably 5% or something and that next election will just come over to the Greens. Um, but certainly there was a rusted on layer that was to do with class. Yeah. I mean, I on one of the last door knocks we did in West End, I went down the street I used to live on, which is a very diverse um, street class-wise. Like the unit block we used to live in is like very dank old asbestos units. Um, there's, you know, hippie share houses. Uh, there's an Aboriginal hostel. Um, there's a bunch of sort of fairly standard middle-class family homes. And then there's some like plantation-style mansions. Like Tim Quinn, the former Lord Mayor of Brisbane, lives in one of the nicest houses I've ever seen and his neighbours um, in a similar spot. And there's one or two others like that. Anyway, um, so I was walking down that street counting signs um, from for Amy and Jackie. There were nine Amy signs, all of which were on either the dank old units, the hippie share houses or the middle-class family homes. And there are three Jackie signs, all of which are on the mansions. <laughs> I was like, yep, that's the new voting base of the Labor Party. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it makes victory all the sweeter. It's it's so many of like the Labor lines. I had a really good time with um, 
Kos Samaras, who's like a think tank director um, and lobbyist in Victoria, Victoria, who was like, yeah, well, if it's a working class movement, then how come you didn't win in Rockhampton? Consider that. Um, Possibly because we didn't really campaign. Yeah, there. I know. It's, it's, it's super, super fantastic. And uh, like, it, it's so easy. But it's so great that these people are looking at, ca- at a campaign which is about taxing the shit out of big business and transferring it to working like services people. for normal yeah. people. Yeah. That they see that and think the only possible explanation is that it's gentrified and this a bunch of like, like they don't even like articulate who these Greens voters are. Like no. I imagine they're picturing like, like millennials who went to private schools and like work in banks. What it but, is. But like I don't really understand like who they, who they imagine exists and it demonstrates this complete like disconnection from the world because they don't even why would these people vote for this politics? Like what? Yeah. yeah, Like they literally cannot put this stuff together. And that's, I think why they are so resentful and and talking about Rockhampton. I think, yeah. So yeah. Like one of the things that labor has done is uh, immediately pivoted to pivoted to, Oh, you think you're so smart. You didn't win state government. Did you? (laughs) Oh, no, we didn't. But also like, this is the, you're right. But give me a decade. (laughs) This is, an authenticity game and what they're doing is saying look if uh the only real working class is a 55 year old man with a beer belly and coal in his hands who goes and watches footy in the pub in central queensland and he drives a ute um and yeah it's identity politics yeah he's a man he's a he's a he's a bloke yeah yeah now if you're a let's say you're a a queer non-binary barista renting in annalee yeah. Uh, and you have some crystals on your windowsill, um, and you don't like uh, the white suprem- the white supremacist patriarchy, and you earn nine thousand dollars a year. <laughs> You're a privileged elite in these people's <laughs> yeah, minds, yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah. and I do. I'm not one to just go and call everything uh, sexist or homophobic, but I I do think there is a very heavy element of sexism and homophobia mm. to this stuff. Mm. I think that. We've massively privileged these these male jobs. Basically, it's like coal's like coal mining, like the the mystical role that coal jobs hold, coal jobs hold, and ultimately, yeah. Like, look, I don't want any like, you know, everyone deserves a job. Certainly, white men also deserve a job. Also, like, that's that's because these like these male jobs, these jobs for fifty five year old white men, are more authentic and more real and more contribute more to the economy in the minds of these people than jobs that anyone else does. And mm, you can yeah. see that same discourse playing out today in regards to racing, right? Where like, like laborism is so connected to racing and like the gambling industry, but the way that they actually make this acceptable as opposed to fucking all the fucking donations they take is by being like, no, the, the, the important jobs and this important role that this plays in the, like in, in the working class culture. And it's like, well, this is all just, like these awful gamblers who go home and their wives are like, oh my God, did you lose all our money again? Like, It's the, yeah, I mean, this is a, obviously Van Batam is the classic working class whisperer. Uh, she's amazing. Um, yeah. Who is just online to be like, well, actually the um, the real authentic working class is, you know, they'd never do that. Um, and she's I did, a fucking playwright yeah. who, I don't know, and Guardian columnist <laughs> and her <laughs> fucking, I don't know how much money she earns, but that, 
picture she posted of her bathtub full of apples a few years ago oh, certainly suggests she has an extremely luxurious home. <laughs> but no, she's the, she knows the real working class well, and we because, don't. Because she's involved with the union movement and the union movement is the only working class there is, like yeah. by definition. Even um, though it is an aristocracy. Yeah. And, uh, like, it, like, it's a completely yeah. hollowed out bureaucracy. Like, you know, you, you can you can tell people as much as you want that the union movement doesn't have any relationship to the working class because there's only 10% of people in unions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of those, even less of them actually have a union meeting ever. Yeah. And that's not to say the rank and file, by by the way. We love you. Yeah. But, uh, Good to be rank and file. Yeah. Anyway, we should probably wrap up. Hey? Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, this is going to be a bumper episode, but it's good. I think this is the content our listeners are craving. I just, I, I do want to be clear. That, like, we also, we like the 55-year-old man with the Yeah, we were talking about him before. We love him. We love we that love guy. winning his vote. We, yep. We're fighting for him as much as we're fighting for He called for us fuckers and gave me a fist bump and I love him. But that's the universalist politics, right? And I yeah. mean, that's, and that's the class-based politics. Like, we're not, we're even fucking, to be honest... I'm even trying to win a decent future for the person who might own two or three homes. <laughs> like, much as I fucking don't really want to hang out with them, I, but, like, our platform will help all of these people and it can appeal to all of them, but there will be resistances from some sectors who have a certain degree of stakes in the current game. But as we build our movement, we'll be able to win over more and more of them, and that's on the basis of a universal politics that says we've all got a lot in common, we've got a fuckload more in common with each other than we do with the C of fucking Anglo-American who's on $21.9 billion, uh, $21.9 million salary every year. And that works. And that's why we won South Brisbane. We and won South Brisbane. That's the T. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. We did win South Brisbane. We won it. We yeah. won. We did We're a winners. big win. First we take South Brisbane, then we take Berlin. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> well, Griffith after this, but anyway. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Straight, straight to, to Berlin. Berlin. Okay. <laughs> we'll, yeah. We'll you just know if we won that. Berlin, they'd be like, "It's the most gentrified city on earth." <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks, guys. Right. Thanks, Bye, guys. Listeners. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.